Yeah, I think Portland um, blessed me, did a great job. Joe Cronin did a great job of communicating with me on what I wanted and uh, how to proceed. Um, did a great job of uh, putting me in a place that I get a chance to possibly win another one, which is super important to me. But um, working with them was very easy, very seamless, and, and made all this possible. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Dave DeFore here with Jared Weiss, who's on the Drew Holiday beat. Drew Holiday introduced at Boston Celtics training camp, finally making his debut there. And he had some interesting things to say, Jared. So I want to kind of run run down this whole thing. First of all, he said Joe Cronin was just easy to work with, which is I don't know if he meant it to be funny or if this is like uh, maybe Joe Cronin called him up and was like, hey, don't forget how good I was to you. But I, that was the funniest comment that that I saw from Drew Holiday. I mean, he emphasized it multiple times. He was great to work with. He said Portland blessed me. Uh, he like really, really wanted to emphasize that. I think somebody probably on the way out the door is like, hey, make sure that you mention how well we treated you here. Because uh, it was interesting because Holiday said that once he got traded by the Bucks, that he initially was hoping to go to Boston. And I think he even said that he tried not to get his hopes up because he didn't want to get heartbroken. And so he was so grateful to Portland that they were willing to work with him and facilitate the deal quickly, too. I mean, he was a blazer for what, like 24 hours? Yeah. I mean, I, there's a little bit of uh, knife twisting also, maybe to a rival who, you know, the Miami Heat and Drew Holiday are, are no strangers. Uh, he also, he, he said that he was hoping once he got moved in the Damian Lillard trade, the initial trade, and, and was sitting there in Portland, he was hoping to wind up in Boston. I mean, you know, the initial reports, Boston was one of the first places that came to mind for me. I mean, you and I had a couple of conversations about it, and, and it developed, obviously, very quickly. But this is where he wanted to be. Yeah, I, I think probably was it Friday is when I started trying to track down exactly how the trade was progressing because initially I'd heard immediately that the Celtics were going to be in on him and that there was going to be a pretty rich competition, but it would probably get narrowed down to a short list of like three or four teams. And so, you know, the Clippers and the Heat, they were really competing for it. You know, I know Utah also made a bid, um, but you know, and there were plenty of other teams that tried to get in the mix, but at the end of the day, we knew that the Celtics were the team that they didn't need him the most, but they were the team that could go for him and truly put themselves over the top where it's like making this big of a splash. This puts you at the forefront of the conversation, which is ironic since basically a week earlier, they already were at the forefront of the conversation. But you got to, you know, when Milwaukee makes a big move, you got to respond um, because the Celtics, I think, based on the way ownership was talking at the podium today, they're really tired of being in the mix and coming up just short. Like Wick Grosbeck, the Celtics' main governor, he was talking about how frustrating like it's been for them that they keep making the conference finals. We even made the finals once, and they keep coming up short. And how you know they had that comeback against Miami last year, where they were on the verge of pulling off the biggest comeback ever, and then they got their asses kicked in Game Seven. And you know we reported on the Athletic about how was it before Game Six, I believe, um, how. Grossbeck himself went into the locker room and tore into everybody. Like he's been really pissed off. I mean, this is an ownership group that takes this stuff really, really seriously. They're kind of crazy about it. And so 
it makes sense why they went for Holiday and why they paid such a huge price for him because this was kind of probably the only star that they were going to be able to make that kind of move for. Are they worried at all? I mean, did it come up today? You know, Brad Stevens was there. Joe Mazzulla was there. Are they worried at all about the lack of bigs? I think that they definitely are. I think that they're going to need they're, – they're probably going to make a move, I would guess, maybe more towards the deadline. Like, they don't have to have – better quality bigs until that point. I think that at this point of the season, I think Joe Missoula also has talked about that a lot, how he was so obsessed with the one seed last year and then eventually realized the one seed doesn't matter as much as having your team ready for the playoffs. So I think this year getting off to that super hot start, having to like coach for his job, that stuff isn't as relevant to him right now. And so I think that Stevens is going to look at that as we don't have to make another significant move for, I mean, not significant, but they don't have to make another move for a, uh, you know, rotation quality big right away. They can kind of wait on that and get by with Luke Cornett, Wendy and Gabriel. I'm sure Lamar Stevens is going to play a lot of four, maybe even play five sometimes. Like they they have some low end rotation options to at least get the minutes in the meantime, but they're probably going to need somebody by the deadline. So uh, Drew said that one of the first people to text him from the Celtics was Joe Missoula, and it was just pick and roll clips. Uh, did he talk about what the coverage is going to be? I mean, are they just going to be in drop all the time? I mean, what, what are we looking at here? That's what's interesting, right? Because one of the consequences of the Rob Williams trade is that Porzingis doesn't switch at the level that Rob Williams does. I know Porzingis yesterday, he was talking at camp about how he's going to clearly have to do that more, but they're not going to make him try to do a coverage he's not good at. They want to win, right? So I think they'll try that early on. Maybe eventually they'll regress some more drop, but... I mean, the big thing that they were talking about today with Drew is how he is just such an intensely physical guard. And the you know, the owners were up here talking multiple times. It's kind of almost cringy about how he uh, there was this one play in practice where Jalen Brown went at Drew in transition and Drew just completely swallowed him up. And so maybe they'll just switch across the board and they'll have somebody try to kind of stay low to help Brzingis out. But I think what they like about Drew is that he's great at navigating screens. Like he's one of the best of this generation of getting skinny around those screens, staying attached at the hip and forcing guys the wrong direction. That's what Derek White does really well too. So this defense has the personnel that staying in drop coverage makes sense, but they're going to start different lineups. There's going to be nights where Al Horford starts. There's going to be nights where Derek White starts. Um, I assume Drew's always going to start. I mean, he is an all-star, so probably. Mm -hmm. I assume Porzingis is always going to start, so it's probably going to be Horford and White switching off, and maybe that dictates how their coverage changes a little bit. So, you know, Brad Stevens says that Drew Holiday almost made one of his coaches quit during the, the shuttle drill. So Poor little I mean, Phil I, Pressy. I guess he's he is bringing some intensity. Um, you know, Paul Pierce said it was the craziest practice he's ever seen. I mean, allegedly, uh, this feels allegedly like he said bit, that how much of this stuff is just, hey, uh, you know, first day, happy to be here, want to get that extension signed or, or how much of it? Like, did it feel like genuine uh, excited vibes or, or around the team? Because I know, you know, Brad Stevens, there's a bunch of pictures of him smiling uh, on the podium <laughs> uh, more than we've seen in a long time. And, and obviously getting a player like like Drew Holiday is a big get, not only for, for him as a, a GM, but also for the Celtics as a team, because theoretically it does raise their ceiling. It puts them in that championship contention again, you know, at least on paper with, with the Milwaukee Bucks who had, who had separated themselves. So, I mean, did you get the sense around the team that they're just excited and maybe more so than in recent years? Yeah, I think so because 
they were coming into this camp initially expecting that Marcus Smart's gone. And so we all got to figure out how are we going to step up? Who's going to be that guy is going to be the leader on defense. And, you know, uh, I obviously with Drew in there now, he's not like kind of crazy and vocal in the way that smart is, but they know that he can be that kind of guy. So I think that takes pressure off of everybody else because they know that Drew can command the defense. And so I think everyone's a little bit like it's a combination of they're hyped because, you know, Drew is smart and Drew are probably comparable level defenders. Um, they both maybe t- took a little bit of a step back last year, but they're still pretty elite defenders and they're great quarterbacks of the defense. But with Drew offensively, like he's a guy that can carry an offense for a while. Um, everything that Missoula or that um, Holiday described to Missoula telling him in their first discussions on offensive role was kind of the stuff that they always task smart with. Like we need you to calm the offense down, to slow it down and create good shots that you need to be the one that while everybody else is kind of like going balls to the wall, you need to kind of keep your pulse on the tempo of the offense. So it sounds like holiday honestly is going to do a lot of what smart was doing. I think defensively he'll probably be on ball more than smart was smart. They kind of use them as more of a dream on green off ball kind of guy last year. Uh, but like they're looking I, what's good. I think what's good about this is that you're basically replacing smart with the better version of smart or more, more well-rounded version of smart. And so they don't have to figure out how that guy fits. Like they already know how that guy fits. It's really more about figuring out how Porzingis fits with all of it. So ownership was, was very interesting today. I thought at the podium <laughs> and they talked a little bit weird. about the, the second apron and the Celtics are now there. This is sort of undiscovered territory. And they're saying they have a six-year window. So 2029, um, you know, Jason Tatum just be turning 21 and and able to legally drink, of course, because he's so young. This seems like a very big window. And isn't it really more of a three- or four-year window? Because Jalen Brown, at some point, I feel, is going to want to be out of town. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Maybe I, what's really interesting about it is so the things you just said about the um, ownership being willing to go into the second apron. Would I asked Wick Grosbeck, the main owner, about it, and he said I was on that committee with the players' committee that came up with the second apron. And what I'll say is we love competition as long as we're winning. So he like kind of kind of like, it was a funny quote, but he kind of sidestepped the real question of like what does that really mean for you logistically. And then later in the press conference, he said, we feel like we have a six-year window. He wasn't responding, I think, to the second apron thing in particular, but it's something I asked you know, a few people around the team afterwards. I'm like, how do you square the penalties that come with the second apron with trying to be 
in you know fulfilling your window for six years because presuming they got to pay drew holiday a good amount presuming i assume they probably want to extend jason tatum when his extension's available next summer just like their starters alone are pretty much going to put them at the second apron at least initially obviously the cap will keep growing we'll see what happens with the next tv deal maybe they'll get more breathing room eventually but you know you're not supposed to stay in the second apron for more than two years basically maybe three i'm not really sure yet you know i know like front offices are probably they, they probably spent the last month kind of running all their models of like what are the different ways that we can go in and out of the apron and not have all of our draft picks frozen for the foreseeable future but you know for people that remember the second apron it has that thing where your draft pick is frozen seven years out and it's dropped to the end of the first round so it's funny that he mentioned six-year window because then if they want to rebuild in year seven their pick's going to be number 30 at that point so it's going to be i don't know how they're going to get out of this i don't know if they even know they obviously have a decent idea of it and obviously the next tv deal will have some sort of impact i presume but I mean, realistically, this is like a two-year window, three-year window. And then from there, they're going to have to make some drastic decisions, I assume. Yeah. Um, have you thought at all about what Drew Holiday's extension is going to look like? I would. So his player options, like right around 40 next year, I assume probably that's a starting number. And then the question is, is it flat or does it decline? I, I, I'd assume it's not going to go up, maybe. But um, he's going to be 34 at that point. He's a super physical player. Guards continuing to play at this level for an extra four years after that's pretty rare. I guess I think he can, if it's an extension, he can do two extra years in January or he can like opt out and resign. Um, you know, like looking at Chris Paul, how like Chris Paul kind of hit that wall at 37 and then it was a pretty sharp drop off. I think they'd imagine Drew's going to have a similar thing where he hits 37 and then it starts to really drop off from there and i just i'm trying to think of other are there other you know combo guards at that size that were able to still be elite defenders in their mid-30s like brooke lopez he's in his mid-30s but he's a center his job is to kind of just like plot around doing what drew holiday does in his late 30s i think that i would be shocked if he can do it at that point so i'd imagine they probably prefer the three-year deal pay him 40 plus million at that point that's probably the ideal thing for them and then for the second half of that six-year window i assume it's going to be with somebody else in there yeah you got to think that uh and finally drew said that playing the bucks should be fun <laughs> it seems like a, a lot of teams in the east are going to have a lot of games circled on the calendar i mean I, there's no way that boston uh, you know miami excuse me doesn't take a slight at what drew holiday said there's no way that the Bucks and the Heat don't have each other circled. Is there a chance that that just Boston being lost in the blood feud between Milwaukee and Miami, they might be able to sneak up and surprise everybody? Can Boston surprise everybody? I think so because I, it feels like, listen, I understand that we all say, and we can look at the odds makers and we can say, oh, okay, Boston looks like a favorite. But we're not talking about Boston nearly as much as we're talking about Milwaukee. Are they kind of like a sleeper finals team? I mean, they're going to have to get through Milwaukee, of course, but it feels like this team might be able to go under the radar a little bit because, you know, Dame is now in Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think it's that the, the Dame trade, it's one, he's the biggest player, right, in all this. He's the biggest player that's moved. Uh, I, I think of all the players involved, it's only Tatum and Giannis are bigger than him. And Lillard's probably more famous than Tatum at this point, I'd imagine, even if Tatum's maybe viewed as a slightly better player. But so I think that the Milwaukee thing is about how Dame can just dramatically change and unlock things for Giannis, 
while I don't think Porzingis and Holiday coming to town is going to change that much for Tatum and Brown. So I think people are just in general more excited to see what is you know, what is this significant change in the people around uh, Giannis going to do for his game. Um, I assume Giannis is going to average 40 and 20 this year. I mean, like... <laughs> In theory, putting him offensively with Dame is going to make him the greatest player in NBA history. He's going to put up Will Chamberlain numbers. We'll see how it actually plays out. Um, with the Celtics, they've made a probably a, a, a good incremental improvement, but they already made Game 7 of the Conference Finals last year while like Milwaukee floundered in the first round. So it's like the Celtics, they've made a big change, but they're just getting an edge while the, the Bucks have had a pretty massive overhaul. So that's what makes the attention, I think, so focused on Milwaukee. At the end of the day, with Boston, I think it comes down to Przingis. Like, is Przingis going to stay healthy? Is he going to make a huge difference? Is he going to do what, like, Joe Mazzula was telling me yesterday, we need to play out of the post more. That was a big thing that they learned from the postseason last year is if you really want to be efficient closing out games in the conference finals, you got to be able to play out of the post. And the Celtics did a lot of perimeter isolation and it just wasn't as effective. And so Porzingis, he just, he gives them that edge where like they now have an answer for everything. And they're not I able disagree to completely on that one. Um, Porzingis theoretically, he gives them yeah, that. If, if we see a bunch of Porzingis post-ups, this season is not going to go great for the Celtics. Uh, I mean, unless you really just like seeing a guy Shoot fadeaways uh, over people uh, from six feet away. It's it's a rough fadeaways are fun. We'll see. I want to see, but it's a shot that they they respond. Yeah, I want to see how they respond when Porzingis shoots some early shot clock thirty footers because those are part of his game. Interesting. That's part of his game, right? And when he gets going, it's amazing. It's great. But man, you you get four of those in a game. Ooh, it, it could get it could get pretty dark pretty fast. Uh, defensively, and, that, and though, that's where Drew Holiday comes in. Great, that, that is where yeah. Drew Holiday comes in. He's going to provide some some calming uh, effects on the offense, and maybe get these guys to to play together. That'd be the the best thing, right? Get these guys to play some ball together instead of so much isolation. Jared Weiss, one of our Celtics beat writers at the Athletic, thank you very much for joining me here on the Athletic NBA Show. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Nerder. She wrote.